Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome to the Halloween edition of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and I am a certified financial planner practitioner. And this week's show is designed to make you not be afraid of your money. With Halloween coming and everything being spooky, your finances shouldn't be spooky too. So we're going to start out by looking at the stock market. Then we're going to look at some zombie legislation that just won't die. In the Plan Your Prosperity, we're going to talk about how to not make your investing spooky. And then finally, we're going to talk about how to avoid taxes after you die. So let's get started with the bulls and bears market and economic update. And this is the week ending October 19th, 2018. The market, after a really scary couple of weeks, was pretty flat last week, with the Dow ending up about half a percent. That surprised me because when I was looking at the weekly data, there were so many really bad down days, and then followed by up days, But even I wasn't sure which side of the market we had closed on, so the Dow closed almost half a percentage point up. The S&P 500 was flat, closing up 0.02%. The NASDAQ that has done so well all year was down about 0.64%. Gold was up 0.69%, which proves that there really hasn't been an enormous flight to gold. Remember, gold makes great jewelry, but if you're looking at gold as an investment, you really should talk to your financial advisor and make sure that that makes sense for you. Oil is probably the wild card. It closed down almost 3% last week, which in and of itself would not be that big of a deal given how much oil increased over the course of the year. But with this issue with Saudi Arabia, I'm watching oil pretty closely. I feel like if things begin to escalate with our relationship with the Saudis, we might actually see oil go up because there could be a cutoff in the supply if the Saudis get really upset with us. And so anytime you have less supply, you always have prices going up because you have more demand. Even if there are um, sanctions taken and issues, it may keep the oil market pretty flat. This is never a show telling you how to invest. But I would really sit back very carefully and watch this unfold. I know that I hear stories about people saying, oh, I'm going to buy oil or I'm going to sell oil. And they all say it with the same amount of certainty. 
I'm very uncertain right now, and I just think the best thing to do is sit back and watch and see what oil is going to do and see how all of this shakes out and then go ahead and make your decisions accordingly. So the good thing about a basically flat market last week is it suggests that the hardcore panicked selling, and you know we've talked in earlier shows, there's a lot of reasons why that happened, not the least of which is we just really did need a correction. But it may be over that nice five days of flat gives me a little bit of confidence. Now, I know that the market's down a little this morning, but it's still very early on Monday, and we have no idea how the week ends. As always, it's important to look at your risk tolerance level. Make sure that it's appropriate. Make sure it's where you want it to be. Make sure your portfolio is diversified. And that way, if something does happen and there's more of a market correction, you know that you're still on track to be able to be all right and you're still doing what you need to go for your goals and you haven't let this long bull market run, get your portfolio overly aggressive in equities, in stocks, more than you thought it was supposed to be based off of your risk tolerance. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. (laughs) Welcome back to a really scary edition of the Legislative Update. My name is Peggy Doviak. You're listening to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And today we need to start talking about zombies, the undead, those things that you think they're gone, and then they come back to life. So the zombie in today's legislative update comes courtesy of the Department of Labor's fiduciary rule. You followed the show. You know that I have anguished over the death of the fiduciary rule. But guess what? It's not really dead. According to the Department of Labor, next September, so September of 2019, they're going to be presenting a new Department of Labor revised fiduciary rule. Now, Why am I not really ecstatic? Why did I start out calling this a zombie? Because I'm a little afraid of how they're going to create the rule. The Securities and Exchange Commission's best interest legislation or rule that they're wanting to create. Remember, that was the rule that they created this spring that had the disclosures, they had the comment period, but there wasn't enough time for the beta-tested results to be part of the comment period. That's really what I've been talking about most of the last three months. Well, the SEC has said they're going to delay their final rule to, guess when? September 2019. So what we can see here is we have a collaboration of forces. We have a whole zombie apocalypse coming in September of 2019. 
And I don't want to be overly critical of legislation no one has seen. This information just dropped last week. I hadn't seen it before. I hadn't heard anything about this. Now, there are people who are more informed than I are, so there might have been news out there, but it certainly wasn't on the radar yet. And I'm worried that because the SEC rule was really watered down and really confusing to consumers, given that the Department of Labor under this administration has not been particularly interested in protecting financial consumers. So I'm really worried that this new rule is going to be very watered down and very much like the SEC while we disclose. DOL did actually use the word fiduciary, or at least the articles that I've read about it have all use that word. So that will create an interesting conundrum, to use a good Halloween word, and we'll see how that works. I don't have a lot of confidence in it. I do think that we'll have to follow this news. I'm sure at some point things will begin to leak out. As they do, I will share them with you because I read all the financial papers. So sometimes I see things before they actually hit the mainstream common media. So I will let you know as I know more about it. But in the meantime, beware because the zombies are coming. The second piece of legislative information that I want to talk about is Betsy DeVos and the Department of Education lost the lawsuit that was put forward by the um, Departments of Justice. Remember, I told you that attorneys generals, um, the attorney general's departments, not the Department of Justice, but the attorney generals from 19 states plus the District of Columbia had all gone together and sued the Department of Education because Betsy DeVos was not wanting to provide relief from the for-profit institutions that cause students to have large levels of student loans, and then many times the for-profit schools went under. So the judge has said that the Department of Education has to immediately implement the program that was established under the Obama administration and immediately begin to provide um, student loan relief so that these students who didn't get a college degree actually can get some loan relief from not having to pay back for the degree that has no value. Apparently, there's over 100,000 borrowers who now have, um, who have loans from now-defunct for-profit colleges. So that's kind of a nightmare all by itself. You have all of these people with all of these loans from schools that are gone. The other, profit, or the other problem with those for-profit education colleges, they were very expensive. So you not only had a loan, you had a loan that very easily cost more than had you chosen a more traditional not-for-profit education route, whether that would be a community college or a regional university or a state university. They were typically all cheaper than these private for-profit colleges. People sought them out because they were easy to get degrees from. Many times you didn't have to go to class. 
All of the work was done online. And so that convenience and possibly easier standards, but not always. I don't want to criticize the people who thought they had found a solution. I want to criticize the institutions themselves because they really took advantage of people. I'm very glad that the judge said, oh no, you, you can't do this. You've got to give people relief from this. And the Department of Education has said they're not going to seek to fight this anymore in the court system. Now, they are planning on creating their own program that the Department of Education has said will be better for the people who had the bad loans, as well as protecting the colleges and universities that were for profit that are impacted by now not getting paid back. So it looks like what they're going to do, this is just my opinion, we'll have to wait and see what it looks like, is, you know, the students who have the bad loans are pretty much protected under this first piece of legislation. The new piece of legislation is also more pro-business and taking care of these schools that went under and left students without degrees. So I'm not sure they need to be taken care of, but who am I? We'll watch this. We'll see what's going on, and I'll let you know as I learn more about it. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show, Halloween edition. So today we're going to talk about that horrible fear when you look in your mailbox or your email inbox and you see something from your custodian, your brokerage house, and you know it's your monthly statement. And you know that when you look at your monthly statement, it just confuses you and it scares you. Well, my goal is always to make you not be afraid. And so in today's Plan Your Prosperity, we're going to talk about how to make your investment account not as scary as it is to you right now. So the very first thing you need to know when you're looking at your investment account is what do you own? What investments do you own? And it's not enough to say, well, I own mutual funds because mutual funds are simply a wrapper of other kinds of investments. So if the stock market is crashing and you own mutual funds, whether or not you're crashing with the market depends on whether or not your mutual funds are invested in stocks or something else like bonds. Or if the bond market is crashing, your stock mutual funds might be fine. Now, yes, there's a correlation between markets not liking rising interest rates, but it's really important to know what you own. I talk to people and they'll say, well, I want to sell everything. It's like, well, but what if you own bonds? I don't want, I don't care. I want to sell it all. 
that's generally not the best advice. The best advice is understanding what's in those funds, looking at the current conditions, and then making decisions. Making decisions, again, that your risk tolerance is in the right place. Making decisions that you're not overly invested in one sector. What really kills people in market declines is when they've gotten very overweight in that thing that's declined. So in 2000, if you were just in technology, like what happened to my mother, what actually drove me into this profession, as her financial advisor put her, in just technology in her individual retirement account, and she got creamed. Has she, had she been diversified in different kinds of even stocks, she would have gotten hurt in 2000, but she would have come back. So you need to know what you own and you need to know why you own it. And this is a great conversation to have with your financial advisor. Additionally, you need to know the cost. The cost of working with the advisor, whether it's fees and commissions, the cost of placing a trade, the cost of owning the fund, any other costs associated with your account. So it's very important to know what you're spending and make sure that the money that you're spending is in relationship with the return that you are getting. So some people really like actively managed mutual funds where a fund advisor or a fund manager goes in and chooses stocks in the fund. Other people like index funds where the fund just um, invests in an index. I'm not going to tell you which one you should buy. I am going to say that if you have an actively managed fund, you need to be sure that the fee that you're paying for the management is actually showing in the return. So always know what you're paying and it will make it easier. If you have a company retirement plan, you should participate in it, especially if that plan offers a match. People will say, I'm afraid of the stock market. I don't want to be in the 401k plan because I don't understand it. If your company matches your contribution, that's a 100% return on that money. So if you put in a dollar and then they put in a dollar, now you have $2. Many companies will match up to 3%. And so participating to the 3% level gives you an additional completely free 3%. Now you're getting 6%. And even if the market gives you no return, you've doubled the money. So it's really important to participate and not to leave free money on the table. So I think the scariest thing that happens with our money is when we don't think we have enough of it. That's just terrifying. And one thing you can do to help with that is to save an emergency fund. An emergency fund is money in the bank absolutely liquid, so it's not invested in the stock market, and it's sitting there waiting to be used if you're having a financial disaster. If you have the heater go out in your house and the tires go out on your truck and the dishwasher starts spewing water all the same month, how are you going to pay for it? 
and the little piece of plastic in your pocket is not your best decision. So save an emergency fund as you can. If you can't save nine months worth of your bills, then at least put back some money. I've heard that most people couldn't cover a $700 bill. So you need to have some money in the bank to pay for things when they go wrong and then you're not as scared. Finally, work with a financial advisor who is willing to be your fiduciary. Now, the fiduciary word scares financial advisors worse than it should scare you. So asking that they hold this legal standard is at least beginning to reach that point where you are convinced that they are acting in your best interest rather than their best interest. For example, you don't want them to choose a mutual fund for you because that mutual fund company is providing a trip to the advisor who sells the most of it that year. You want the advisor to choose the mutual fund that meets your needs the best and not pay any attention to the other offers that they're getting. Or better still, make those offers illegal. I'm really hoping Department of Labor brings that back in their zombie DOL fiduciary rule. We'll just have to wait and see. So work with a fiduciary, have them put it in writing, work with someone who really takes time to explain your money to you. And most of all, because this is Halloween, do not work with someone who tries to make you afraid. Making you afraid makes you make bad financial decisions. So if you're being made fearful and panicky, then that's something to be very careful of. Because remember, Thanksgiving is coming. We do not want you staying scared. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances Halloween show. And since this is Halloween, today's question is about death. And the question is, Peggy, I'm afraid that I will owe a state tax when I die. How can I avoid paying it? Well, no one likes to talk about dying. It's the one topic that my clients who have really great financial plans in place many times don't have an estate plan. And if I'm talking to someone just casually and they find out I'm a financial planner, they'll say, oh, we have our retirement savings in order. I don't need a financial planner. I said, well, you know, we do more than just retirement savings. Do you have an estate plan? And I say that because I know what the answer will be. 
The answer is no. You know, we really need to get around to that. We, we have everything else. It's like, yeah, you need to go talk to an attorney and then let that attorney help you put together an estate plan working with a certified financial planner practitioner just so that your CFP professional is on the same page as the attorney. It's so much easier when your attorney and your CPA and your financial planner all regularly talk to each other. It makes it so much easier to make sure that all of the pieces of your plan are are on one page. So we don't like to talk about estate, which is why I think so many people do not understand that it's incredibly unlikely that you will be paying estate tax. Even prior to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that went into effect last December, the estate tax exemption was over $5 million and that's per person. So the probability that you actually owed estate tax is incredibly low because that's a lot of money. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act raised it to $10 million, and that's per estate. So a lot of the planning that was done to avoid estate tax has been eliminated because of the complete lack of enough resources to get anywhere close to that number. Now, I know that some of you are listening to me in states that aren't Oklahoma, and thank you so much for doing that. You need to look at your own state's rules about local estate tax. For instance, Oklahoma no longer has an estate tax. So Oklahoma has no estate tax on the state level and $10 million of exemption on the federal level. So that's our rules. If you're in another state, then you want to check and see what that state's estate tax rules are because you might need to do some planning to avoid those as well. So what should you be afraid of with your money when you die? Well, the first thing to be sure, and this is so easy, but it's a nightmare. It's literally a nightmare when people don't do it. Check your beneficiaries. If you've gotten a divorce, be sure that if you have an individual retirement account or a 401k plan at work, or for that matter, a life insurance policy, who's the beneficiary? Because if the beneficiary is your ex, you will be screaming from beyond the grave, and so will your new significant other and children. So be sure you've got that taken care of. Additionally, be careful that everyone knows what their role in your estate is. If you've given someone a power of attorney for your health care or finance, be sure they know. In fact, you really should talk to them first so it's not a surprise when they discover it. So be sure that people know. Talk to the executor of your estate and make sure that they're okay being the executor of it. Additionally, be careful gifting assets. 
When you make a gift of something, when you are alive, your basis follows the gift and becomes the basis for the person who's the recipient. So, for instance, if you bought a stock for a hundred dollars and now it's worth two hundred dollars, if you gave that stock away, then the basis would be a hundred. The growth is another hundred. So you'd pay capital gains on that growth. This is all outside of retirement money, money that owes capital gains. However, if you let someone inherit that after you die, they receive a step up. In basis, and all they have to pay then is the tax on any growth after they have inherited it. So highly appreciated assets sometimes make more sense to be inherited, unless you really have to have the money right now. You'll have a much lower tax liability if you wait and you let them inherit it rather than giving it to them today. So all of those things make it easier on people after you have died. Happy Halloween, but don't be afraid of your money. <laughs> you may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at PeggyDoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money. <laughs>